Hey, thanks for tuning in to Hillside Juniata Sermons Podcast, where our goal is to make committed followers of Jesus. We want to encourage you that if you're not already connected to a local church, that you'll find a place where you can connect, grow, serve, and go. But wherever you are today, we hope and pray that God will use this sermon for His glory and our greatest good. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm very excited to be back. I, I missed being with you yes, last week. I'm no longer sick, but we are starting a new series, and I'm very excited to start this. But as we lean into this series, I do want to make mention of everything that we just said. Aren't you glad that sin has been defeated? Are you not glad that we have hope? That the things that we wrestle with, the things that we find convicting, that we saw in Malachi, these these truths that we're really wrestling with us, we have hope because sin has been defeated and we have Christ. And it is yet not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And that's our approach as we view this next series called My Big Fat Mouth. And I'm really looking forward to uh, getting beat up again by Scripture, just convicting me left and right. And we're going to walk through this together. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you do not have a Bible, uh, in the pew in front of you, there is a Bible, and it's going to be page 1055, I believe, Ephesians chapter 4. But we are starting a new series, and I want to ask a question as we enter in. Have you ever said something that you wish you could take back? Mm, Thank you, Tom. That is my almost daily experience. I don't know if you've heard a few weeks back, if you've been with uh, us, my wife actually gave me the, the, the name of Too Far Guy when we first got married. So I am notorious for saying the thing that should not be said. And then she would say, Too Far Guy strikes again. Thankfully, that is lessened. But I found to be guilty of this often. So if you would say in this room that you find yourself struggling with the words you speak and how to get them right, you're not alone. That is also me And that's why we're heading into this new series called My Big Fat Mouth. So there have been plenty of times that My Big Fat Mouth has got me in trouble. It's caused me and others great embarrassment, hurt feelings, deep emotional pain. Maybe you know someone who has a big fat mouth. Uh, Don't elbow anyone next to you. If I was sitting there, Michaela would be like, hey, Nathaniel, you know. Maybe you know someone or you might recognize you might be one, or maybe you've said something you shouldn't have, maybe to a coworker, to a boss, to a friend, a spouse, a child, classmates, other believers. The reality is our big fat mouths can cause great damage. And there is tremendous power in the words that we speak. And I think that it sounds a bit extreme, but the reality is our words have the power to give life And our words have the power to give death. That sounds a bit extreme, but Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, tells us death and life are in the power of the tongue. Do we acknowledge that? Do we acknowledge that there is absolute weight and significance in the words that we speak? That we should not flippantly use our words. We need to be a people dedicated to committing our mouths to the Lord. Whoever said, whoever that person said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I think that person is an optimistic liar. I think that was more of a hopeful phrase. Like, yeah, they're not going to hurt me this time. No, they absolutely do. We know that. They hurt. Words leave lasting scars. And words do deep damage. You don't have to look far. Ask the child whose father said that he wouldn't amount to anything. That he was unlovable, unworthy. Ask the wife whose husband said they were disgusting and undesirable. 
Ask the parent whose child looked them in the eyes and said, I hate you and I never want to speak to you again. Ask the student who that one time down the hallway has forever been insecure about their body because of something that someone has said. Words matter. Words are powerful. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And as believers, if you would say, yes, I'm wearing the name tag. I am a follower of Jesus. We are commanded to guard our mouths, to be good stewards of our mouths. It's not an option. I think too many of us think, oh, that's just something that, you know, it's part of who I am. You know, as a believer, we are to guard our mouths, understanding the weight that comes. So over the next four weeks, we're going to address the issue of our big fat mouth. And we're going to unpack four ways that our big fat mouths can harm others. The first today is gossiping. Next week, we'll look at lying, then complaining, and then criticism. Ouch. Criticizing. So we're going to talk about the words that we speak and how to get them right. And to do this, if you're new with us, we have a series memory verse, every series, that we just, we've identified. These are passages that we think we should hide in our hearts. And we read them together as we go through the series. So our passage, our memory verse is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. It's a little lengthy, so it's a little challenge for those trying to memorize. We'll lock onto some of these big words. We're going to be there today. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let's read it together. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do you identify with this passage? Would this be a descriptor of who you are? I pray that after this series, we will be found that that does explain and describe who we are. That 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 verse, this series is a means to that end. That we will be a people who use our words to speak life. To build up rather than tear down. And that we'll learn what it is to bridle our big fat mouth. So we begin this series talking about gossip. Okay, new people, I apologize. This is a fun one to come in. I know you're like, really? He's going right for gossip. Okay, so that's just where we're at today. Um, Gossip is probably the most and this could be debated, the most tolerated sin among Christians. It's the most tolerated, but I think that it is significantly under, understood at the, the amount of destruction that it has. I think we, we, we view it very lightly. We tolerate gossip because actually, deep down, we all enjoy it a little bit. And here, here's how I know that. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8 says this. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels. Hear me out. So have you ever been in a conversation, normal conversation, and then somewhere along the way in the conversation someone says, oh, have you heard? You know what happens? They hold out the dainty morsel and they go, oh, and all of a sudden we perk up. We're like, oh, I want the juicy, sugary details. Something within us when they say that is an invitation that says, this is going to taste good. Deep within us, We like the taste of gossip. And we have to address that. Gossip is like a dainty morsel. So for me, it'd be like the first bite of a Zagnut bar. Any Zagnut bar fans? Yes, I love Zagnut. Yeah, you're like, gross. Coconut, peanut, no, okay. That's for me. Maybe for you, it's like that dark chocolate dove 
you know, melts and you're just, mm, that's how, someone's like, have you heard? And it's just like, oh, let me unwrap this and here you go. And you're like, mm, let's hear. That's what it's like. Think about your, your dainty morsel that tastes so good. That's what gossip introduces. They're holding that out and saying, here, taste this. And we have to resist. So whatever synonym we may use or the culture may use for gossip, it could be what the buzz, the inside scoop, the 411, or I guess now it's the tea, which is the tea, is that like tea time or is that like, I don't, it's spoken over tea, is that tea time? Okay, it's not like the letter T, it's like tea time. Thank you, Taylor Swift. So that's what it is. Gossip is just this idea of gossip, conversation, it's this thing that we coin and we say, hey, this is enticing and we want to do it. And I, I, have you ever seen Narnia? I'm a big movie guy. It's like that Turkish delight that Edmund gets from the White Witch. And he thinks that it's tasty and it's good, but it's all the same. No matter what you call it, it's gossip. And what it is, is an attempt to make me strong by making others weak. That's our working definition, a helpful definition of what is gossip. Each week we're going to define these things in biblical lens. It may taste good, but it's a hurtful and sinful use of our mouths. So, if you're not already there, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to begin with our memory verse. It's great. We're going to unpack it so every week we'll have a better understanding. Yes, it is page 1055. Um, Paul addresses the issue of gossip with the believers in Ephesus. And here, first point, if you're taking notes, we're going to see the damage of gossip. And what's interesting, as we read this, he identifies there are three people who fall into the damage of gossip that he mentions here. And the first person damaged by the gossip is the person, obviously, who's mentioned in the gossip. So let's begin. Chapter 4, verse 29. We'll walk through this together. We've already read it. Verse 29, let, if you, if you underline in your Bible, just kind of, I'll, I'll go along, and this is really interactive here. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. If you underline, underline the word let and circle the word unwholesome. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Now, that word unwholesome, that's why I had you circle it. It actually matters. And, and Paul's gonna, we're gonna see here that he's talking about the person in mention. It's not just saying nothing un- unwholesome. It's specifically tied to gossip here. That word unwholesome, it means rotten, decaying, or foul. It was actually used in link when they were talking about fish or fruit that went rotting. So when you hear that word unwholesome, we should all kind of, ew. You know, I don't know if you've ever experienced the smell of rotting fish. That, there is very few things that smell that terrible. That's what he's saying. Have you ever had words that just taste bad coming out of your mouth? That is an unwholesome word. It's anything that when you say it, it just makes you gag. It makes you yuck. It, makes, it just tastes bad. And unwholesome words, they include vicious, unkind words, slander. And he's saying, do not let... These, these kinds of words come out of your mouth and so make other people sick. And I wanted you to underline that word let there because this is beautiful. This is very good. Let implies that we have the ability to bridle it. You have the ability to say, I'm not going to let that come out. I might think it, and that's nasty in and of itself, but you have the ability to let it hit your teeth and stop there. 
And we are called to not let, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. But instead, let's keep reading. But instead, only such a word as is good for edification. Circle that, that edification word. According to the need of the moment. So that word edification, it's just a long word to say to build up. The building up. So when we come together as believers, we are called to build one another up. To speak in such a way that when we leave here, we're like, ha, all right, Satan, get out of here. You know, I feel built up to go back into my week, back into the world and say, you know what? We got you. We're fighting forward. We're being built up. That is what we're called to. So what Paul's getting at here, he's saying, do not say anything about another person that would tear them down, but rather things that would build them up. That's how we see this direction here. It's about gossip. There are things that are just nasty that you can say, that you can imply, that you can intend toward another person. He's saying, let no unwholesome speech come from your mouth, but only that which builds up. Because when we are gossiping, we are damaging the person who's being referenced. We're saying rotten words about that person and tearing them down instead of building them up. And there are some here today that you have been on the other end, the receiving end of gossip. You know what that is. Maybe you've been damaged. Maybe you've been damaged emotionally, relationally. You lost a friend or a friend group or a reputation. Or maybe you've been damaged spiritually. You know how many people have left the church, have walked away from Jesus because of gossip? This is so much bigger than just, ah, I'm just... Spilling the tea, you know? This is so much bigger than that. And it needs to be handled and taken seriously. And I love the qualifiers that Paul gives here. So we often justify it, right? We think, okay, it's just, I'm just saying what's true. You know, I'm not saying anything that's not true. And yes, everything that's said needs to be true. But not everything that's true needs to be said. And here, Paul's qualifiers, I love it. He doesn't speak about truth or false. He doesn't speak about things that are true and untrue. What does he say? He says, do not speak things that are unwholesome, things that are rotten, nasty, that are meant to tear people down. And he says, he gives it, but edifying, builds them up according to what? The need of the moment. That helps. I think all of us would say, okay, what's the line for gossip? You know, how far? I've had that question myself. I've been, okay, I'm, I'm talking with a friend here, but where's that line? And I think this is extremely helpful. So is, here's some questions in light of these qualifiers. Is what I'm about to say about this person, is it rotten, foul, or toxic? Immediately, that's easy. Stop. Right? Is what I'm about to say going to tear them down in any way? That's also easy. Stop. But is, is what I'm going to say going to build that person up? That's interesting to think about. As If I'm going to talk about you, I would want you to know that when I'm speaking of, of you, when I'm thinking of you outside of a conversation with you, you know that from your fellow believers, it's all building up. How cool would that be? How nice would that be to know you walk into a room and the only thing said of me is, have you heard about what they did? Man, I love this person. You know, man, they did this for me this last week or they said this and it, and it encouraged me, it challenged me, it convicted me. What if that were the way we talked? Consider that. And the last thing here is it needed in the moment. That is so helpful. Think of yourself. I am not a paramedic. 
I am not a first responder when it comes to anything that has to do with that. So honestly, you sharing with me the tea, I can't do anything about it. If you are, are in a conversation, you say, it is not needed at this moment. There's a difference. If I say this terrible thing, this person has overdosed on drugs, they need help right now. That's different than, hey, did you hear that time that this person overdosed on drugs? That's different. Do you see the difference? Is it in the need of the moment? Are you, is your heart's posture towards building them up, helping them, supporting them, or is something in the depth of our heart vicious, rotting like fish? And you know the difference. And we can fall prey if we're not careful. So the first person, when we gossip, that it damages, obviously, the person mentioned. The person mentioned. The second person that we see, if we keep reading, is actually the person listening to the gossip. Have you ever thought about that? That by being a listener, a receiver of the gossip from the gossiper, you are also in danger. You are also in a place that the Bible says, do not be there. We're not to use unwholesome words that tear a person down, but edifying words that build a person up. And he says here, as he finishes in verse 29, what? But only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, what? So that it will give grace to those who hear. He's giving our attention to the people that are hearing. When we listen, when we talk to others, our words become a vehicle, the possibility to be a demonstration of grace. How great of an opportunity that we get to be a part of giving grace, of being an extension of what we just celebrated. We can share in that in our words. It's easy to see then how gossip provides the opposite of grace to the listener. When we listen to gossip and slander and hearsay, what does it do? It affects our perception of that person. And sometimes it's even before we even met that person. So what we're doing is, is we are becoming, we're falling into that pit as a listener of gossip. If we willingly listen to gossip, we're wrong and we're in danger. And, and, and here's the reality. Don't think for a moment that that person gossiping to you is not in turn going to leave that conversation and continue to gossip about you. It's a dangerous place to give and to receive, to engage in the content and concept of gossip. See, what you permit, unfortunately, you promote. What we permit, we promote. If you allow someone to run down your friend, your family member, your coworker, your neighbor, whether you like it or not, your silence will be charged to you as promoting that, of saying they agree. It's not fair. Sometimes we think, I'm just not going to say anything because if I do, yikes. But in our silence, in our listening, we have given them the opportunity to openly interpret and so leave wounding us. One of the early church theologians and philosophers, Augustine, and he was, he was around the year 350 AD. This is an old reality. Gossip has been around He's, he had this sign actually hanging up in his dining room, and it made me go, I think I might want this in my dining room. But he had this. It said, whoever speaks evil of an absent man or woman is not welcome at this table. How nice would that be? Uh, extend it to your home. Whoever speaks evil of a man or woman not present, they're not welcome in my home. 
What does that say about the value of our words? I think it elevates it to the place it should be. And the Bible is clear. It's wrong to listen to gossip. Proverbs 17, verse 4 says, An evildoer listens to wicked lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. Ouch. Gossip damages the listener. The third person damaged by gossip is the God who has redeemed you. Let that sink in. When we engage in gossip, not only does it hurt the person in reference, does it hurt the listener, but it damages God. Where do we get that? Let's keep reading in verse 30. We'll give grace to those who hear. Verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He's redeemed you. It's a a reminder, a remembrance of what he has done for us. And it says, when you entertain gossip, what do you do? You grieve him. You grieve him. There's a lot going on that, that we don't see. And I think that we need to understand that. That at any given moment, especially when we're dabbling in something so powerful and so profound as our words... We need to acknowledge that there is a spiritual battle ever going on around us and in us that longs to use us as weapons for the enemy. All relationships involve spiritual battle, a spiritual warfare. If you've ever been in a relationship, you can attest. If you are married, absolutely there's a warfare. If you have family, amazing. Yes, there is absolutely warfare that happens in a family. And all the family members look at each other, you know, like, huh? Co-workers, neighbors, there is battle all around us and we are either contributing for the king or for the enemy. And we need to wield well our words. Gossip, slander, hearsay, they're, they're, they're inconsistent with the nature of God. And because of that, it grieves him. So as a result, when we engage in such practices, he is not pleased. It hurts him. So we need to be conscious. So even though gossip causes so much damage, you see we share gossip because if I can talk about somebody else, if I can talk about somebody else's lack of fashion sense, if I can talk about somebody else's obsession on social media or somebody else's addiction or somebody else's porn problem or someone else's bad marriage, then what? We don't have to talk about ours. Do you see the use of gossip of just saying... I want to be strong by making someone else weak. And God says, no, thank you. If I can push somebody down, then maybe I can make myself feel and look just a little bit better. Because gossip is an attempt to make me strong by making others weak. Ouch. So, what's the solution? Thank you, God, for giving us solutions. He doesn't just say, There you go, feel bad. He says, what's the solution of gossiping? There's a two-step solution, and we're going to read verses 31 and 32, and I think these are are really helpful. Um, Verse 31, let all, circle all, all, all means all, all the time. Let all, and what are the things? Bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, which is just shouting uh, vehemently, just bad things, clamor and slander, Be put away from among you, from you, along with all malice. 
So what's the solution? The first thing is, is to put away. Put away. And this is this word picture. I love it. It's to carry off or to remove. Let it float away. It likens it to, um, it was often a nautical term. So it was used to describe cargo that was taken away on a ship. So just picture that. All of these things, the anger, the malice, the slander, the, the clamor, picture in your mind saying, I'm putting that on a cargo ship and I'm pushing that away and it's going into the distance, into the sunset. Sail away. We are to load all of that inward motivation and outward expression of gossip, gossip and ship them off. And I think it's interesting how he tackles both, right? Like bitterness, wrath, and anger, those are all inward realities. Clamor and slander, those are all external realities. So he's saying everything, all, within and externally, ship that off. And he concludes, along with all malice. And that's the, the heart here. Malice there, that word just means ill will. So it, it's the desire to injure someone which is naturally what gossip is. I would like to injure this person for whatever reason. He says, ship all of that off because all that that does is it causes damage. Damage to the victim, damage to the hearer, the speaker, and the God who hates gossip. It's evil. It says, do not harbor these things in your heart and mind because they will eventually come out as unwholesome, foul words. But he says, put them off, get rid of them, ship them off, send them away. However, there are some things that we are to do. So that's, that's one half of the equation to say, all of this, the filth, I need to surrender. But then he says, verse 32, and he says, be kind to one another. Now circle the word be. We're going to talk about that. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, what? Just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Okay, so that word be, love that word. We try to use that here. Just would long and love for us to come to a place, a sanctuary that we can be. And that word be is actually a present passive imperative, which is interesting for the, for the bookworms. Why? Because it's passive. It's a command but the action is not done by the subject. Okay, so when he calls us to do something, he's saying, yes, but you're not the one that does it. That's fascinating. So we're called to allow the Lord to do a work within us, and that's why it begins with this, the word let. Let, no unwholesome word. And he's saying, allow the Lord to do the work within you, and so we all get to experience the fruit of what God does among us. And nowhere can we say, I did this. I put this away. I was kind. I was tenderhearted. I was all of these things. We can say, God, you are good. God, you did this. God, you allowed us to experience your goodness, your faithfulness, your tender heart. It's all beautiful because we're allowing ourselves to be used by God. It's a surrendering. We allow the power of Christ to work in us. For the love of Christ compels us. It controls us. So the gossip, it's an attempt to make myself strong by making others weak. But conversely, the gospel is an awareness that I am weak, but he is strong. Do you see how gossip is a direct attack on the gospel itself? We need to be a people that take this seriously. 
That's why the command to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving is just as Christ has been to us. It's all a picture of the gospel. Our words have the opportunity to point and paint a picture of the true gospel, not a false gospel. So when we're kind, when you're tenderhearted and forgiving as Christ, you cannot gossip or slander another person. They're not, they're not compatible. So it's, it's a beautiful trans, trans, uh, relationship. So because this is true, new people, we say every week, because this is true, what should we do? And we want to give just this very simple thing, close your mouth. That may be hard for some of us who needed nasal surgery. My brother said I would suffocate eating cereal, so closing our mouth may be hard, maybe kind of leave it open. I, I think you get the picture. Close your mouth. Proverbs 21, verse 23, it says, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. Basically, keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Mom. That's great advice. Thank you, Lord. Keep our mouth closed. Think about the damage. I mean, when you think about the damage that's happened in homes, in businesses, in churches, in society, in schools, when people gossip, spread rumors, they run someone down, you understand that this makes sense. James chapter 3, verse 5 says, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. God in his word helps us see that this thing that he's given us is, has so much power. It has the ability to set forest fires, cause some serious damage. And we need to take that seriously. Just one spark can burn down a forest. One word can burn down someone's life. Dr. Alan Redpath, he's a, he's a, a British pastor, we're going to use his words that he suggested. You may have seen these in, in schools. But he suggested that all of our words pass through what he calls the think filter. So that's what we want to use here. I want to encourage you with this. He says, use the think. Is, is it true? Is what I'm about to say helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it in need of the moment? And K, is it kind? Is it kind? If, if everything that we said were through this filter, I think that it would change things. He would say, if, if what we're going to say does not pass all of these tests, Dr. Redpath would say, keep your mouth shut. And I would add, in 2023, that he should also add, and keep your fingers off the keyboard and stay off social media. Ouch. <laughs> right? It's not just word of mouth these days. It's like... You know, you can, you can very easily burn someone down with a, a, a Reddit post or, you know, a review. So use the think model here. Before you say anything about anyone behind their back, it might be good to ask these questions. So just some practical. Would I be willing to tell the story if this person were here? Am I hiding this conversation from anyone? Would I want someone else to talk this way about me if I were not in the room? This is all good, by the way. This is introspection. Introspection is, I wish that we all just all of a sudden matured into introspection. But that's not the case. We have to learn how to think about thinking. Think about what it is to sit across from yourself. Have you ever thought about that? What is it like for you to experience me? And me go, ooh, that's, that's probably really rough. I apologize. I'm all over the place. I spit and I need tissues and I'm a mess. So that's tough. I, I feel for all of you who have to come here and deal with me. But have you ever sat and thought, what is it like to sit across the table from myself? 
That's, that's a learned behavior that is valuable work that God wants us to do, and hopefully we do through this sermon series. So if you would think you are listening to gossip, if you think you are, then here's some questions to ask the person speaking. Kind questions. Hey, have you talked to this person about what you're telling me? Have you gone to them first? That'll clarify a few things. Um, why are you telling me this about this other person? Like, you know, can I help? Or like, what's going on here? That's, that's convicted me a few times. They're like, oh, actually, you can't. Sorry. I need to go confess, you know. Or what am I supposed to do with the information you just gave me? Make it action-oriented. Let's make this helpful, kind. These questions will often stop gossip in its track, and they'll help us close our mouth. So when you think, and you use the T-H-I-N-K before we speak, and as we listen, we're presented with an opportunity. An opportunity to what? Solidify ourselves as a sanctuary. I was, I was thinking about it this week, and here's the reality. Christians are to provide sanctuary for light, not a safe haven for the darkness. We are not playing hide-and-go-seek tag. When you are with me, I long for you to feel safe in the light of truth. To know that when you're not with me, you are safe in sanctuary with me, knowing that as I speak of you, it's to build you up, not to tear you down. That is what we're called to as Christians, to be a sanctuary of light. Will you do that? Will you give the gift of sanctuary to others, but to yourself? To be known as a person that with me, with you, I feel safe. And it's not dirty, it's not toxic, it's not, it doesn't stink, it's not rotten. It's, wow, that hurt, but that was good. Wow, you told me the truth. And that hurt, but that was good. Or you didn't let me sit in my sin. You, you lifted me up. You, you built me up. You called me to look above the mountain. You've, by being with you in relationship with you, I am growing in my faith. Is that who we are? Could you imagine being part of a church where that's who we were marked as? I believe that's where we are and where we're headed. And I want to challenge us to stay in that way. Let's think before we speak. When we give sanctuary to ourselves and those around us, close your mouth. So use your words to build up, not tear down. And I want to challenge this real quick. I heard this in college, and I, as I conclude today, I just want to call us to this. I met a, a friend in college. He was from Nigeria. And he shared with me what they did to say thank you in his village. So if someone did something nice for them, they wouldn't go to that person and say, thank you so much. What they did in the village was they told every other villager of what that person did to say thank you. And I thought, what a, an incredible way to actively combat against gossip. It's the total reversal. Because what ended up happening was the person that they were expressing gratitude toward, their reputation and their sight in the village rose. Because they were like, wow, you did that for that person. And the whole village would then return to that person and celebrate what they did. Can we try that? That maybe if someone does nice, something nice for you, or if someone meets a need, and that's the word kindness, it's meeting a need, it's knowing and meeting the need. If we do that among another, can we try to thank the village and not the person and see what happens? I just want to challenge us to that. Over the next month or so, just try, people in your circle, your family, your friends, instead of saying thank you to them, go to the other people in that circle and thank them on behalf of that person and see what happens. See if gossip begins to go down and we begin to be built up. 
And I long to see what that would do. So I just want to challenge us to that, and I will close in a word of prayer. I'm excited for the rest of this series. Next week we're on lying. It's going to be tough, but we're happy that the Lord works with us in the depths of our heart with real things. So thank you for being here. I'll pray, and we will see you next week. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us, that you paid for our sin, that it is finished. There is hope that we can experience victory from our sin. Father, help us all by your word to be doers of your word this week, to guard the gate of our mouth, to not let these filthy things come out, but rather, Lord, help us to see the moment, the need of the moment, to build up to be a people who truly express your sanctuary that is filled with truth and life and goodness by your spirit. Father, would you do that work within us and among us and may we experience the life that you've called us to. Father, I pray for conviction. I pray you will change us. I pray that there will be change among us, that we will see evil and, and unwholesome talk be eradicated from within the depths of our heart. Father, would you do a work among us as we surrender to you and we say thank you and we give all the glory to Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.